This is EDC Rocks podcast, brought to you by Andrea Hedlund on neuroscience, psychology, and education. Hello, hello, folks. I'm back with another episode of EDC Rocks podcast. And this time, I'm going to improvise a little, but also read a couple of passages from a very interesting article that I wrote with Hall Houston for the May issue of Mind-Brained Think Tank. And it's all about evidence-based strategies. That's right, evidence-based strategies. I think we have to look at the evidence coming from the cognitive sciences so that we can actually help our students learn more effectively, right? And when I say cognitive sciences, I'm really talking about psychology and neuroscience here, but I think it's useful for you to learn more about the science of learning. And the science of learning is really trying to put all of those things together in one place so that it's easier for you to learn more about how learning takes place, how the brain learns, how the mind learns. It has a lot to do with mind-brain education I've talked about that as well. Remember, there's actually an episode you can check out. So today we're going to talk about a couple of strategies that can help your students forget. Yes, to forget. Such an important thing for the brain. I know normally we think that forgetting is bad, that forgetting shouldn't happen, that we have to try to remember things for as long as possible. But forgetting allows the brain to strengthen neural connections, neural networks, through something that we call long-term potentiation, right? And it does have something to do with sleep as well. We know that memory consolidation, uh, and here we're talking about declarative memory, so especially memory of concepts, words, right, happens during our sleep. So that means that we need to forget things and we have to sleep well to start consolidating them in the brain. And when we try to retrieve them or go back, actually recover that information from our brain's cortex, we are strengthening those connections, right? Like I said, long-term potentiation. And this is something that has been widely uh, described or talked about in the literature there are a couple of books that Hall Houston and I mention here. For example, How We Learn, Make It Stick, Powerful Teaching, for example. And some of them are very uh, recent. You can definitely buy them and read to understand how learning takes place, really to understand what happens inside our brains when we memorize something and how long it takes even though it's hard to estimate, but, you know, to have some ideas of how that process happens in the brain. So take a look, especially, I'd say, How We Learn by Stanislas Dehan, a Frenchman. I think he's the professor of Collège de France. Great book. There's another book by, I think, Benedict Carey. Uh, I think it has the same title, by the way, How, how We Learn. And it goes over some of the 
latest discoveries about brain, mind, attention, and memory. So you might want to check that and make it stick, a big one, very popular. You should definitely read this one. And all of the techniques and strategies I'm about to tell you here, they really come from many experiments, really, and tests in uh, cognitive psychology, basically. So they look at how much people can remember after being exposed to a list of items or concepts, vocabulary, basically, and depending on different conditions, right? And what we know as, you know, the scientific community is that you do have to go back to things or to revisit things with a certain frequency so that you can increase retention or memory consolidation, right? You can help your memory uh, work better, or you can help your brain memorize better, basically, right? Of course, it's not uh, magical. It's not a miracle. It depends on other variables, but I think this is a great way to start. So let's talk about three interesting concepts. Retrieval practice, spacing, and interleaving. And these concepts, they have something to do with Robert Bjork's Desirable Difficulties. So if you want to know more about that, please do check out. Uh, you can Google Robert Bjork and Desirable Difficulties and you will see that they are part of what he considers very important aspects of learning. You know, learning shouldn't be easy. Learning is effortful. And if you include those things, in your learning design, your learning experience or teaching experience, you actually might help your students learn more effectively. So again, let's talk about retrieval practice, spacing, interleaving. So for the student studying on their own or when you assign homework or for the teacher when delivering the class and planning the class as well, right? So retrieval practice. This is what Hall and I wrote. Retrieval practice, otherwise known as self-testing, refers to the technique of recalling previously learned material without relying on notes or books. Done correctly, retrieval practice can help students remember material for longer periods of time as it strengthens neural connections in the brain. In addition, it can make students more aware of their own learning gaps and as they will actually better able be better able to identify the concepts they can easily remember and the ones they cannot right great and then we uh talk about a study conducted by Don Losky here and with undergraduate students who were asked to study words in Swahili and English, right? So the ones who did retrieval practice or self-quizzing, they tested themselves. They were able to recall more. Was Actually, recall was 80% higher, right? Wow, that's interesting. Now, how can you do it? Well, if you think about you as a student, if you are learning a, an additional language, one of the things you can do that works really, really well is flashcards, right? So you can make flashcards and flashcards, they are very easy to use because you have a question or a cue, uh, an image on one side. And then 
On the other side of the car, the back, you have the answer, but you have to be careful not to look at the answer before you try to remember, which is something that people do many times, right? So let's say you're trying to retrieve a word related to, um, I don't know, city vocabulary. Let's say you're trying to retrieve skyscraper or something like that. So maybe uh, the front part of the card has a picture of a skyscraper or maybe even a famous skyscraper. You look at it and you try to remember what it is, how you say it in English. And then when you try to remember, you will be able to say, well, I can remember this well very easily or not. I couldn't remember. And then you check, right? And then you can keep track of the ones you can remember well. And you can actually move them to uh, another box, let's say. So you don't have to retrieve them as frequently. Or if you can remember them really, I mean, if you cannot remember them very well, so maybe you should keep trying and you should, you should keep trying to retrieve them as often as possible, right? You can do it digitally. So there are many tools you can use nowadays, such as Quizlet. I'm sure you know Quizlet. Anki that works with spaced repetition. So it actually, which is one of the techniques I'm going to discuss ahead. And there are other tools that you can try. You can also review things without notes for you to retrieve better. So one of the things you can do really is try to remember what you were exposed to in your previous lesson and not look at anything really, not look at your notes, not look at the book, just write down whatever you can remember. Get a piece of paper and go like, okay, last class we talked about this subject and I remember that uh, my teacher gave me that example and we worked in pairs and whatever, write everything down and then you can compare. Then you get, you grab your notes and you compare to see if you are, well, too far from what actually happened in that lesson or if you were able to remember many things. Now for teachers, one of the things you can do when you're planning your lesson, keep things short, okay? So you need to have a couple of minutes of your lesson devoted to retrieving. So you can try to use chunks, try to make sure that you're not overloading your students with lots of information and then when you have breaks or when you, let's say, take things slowly a little bit, ask them to remember. What have we been talking about, right? So this is very effective as a retrieval practice type activity. Keep things simple as well, right? So you can have different formats for retrieval practice. So you can have, uh, here we talk about two things and brain dumps, right? Two things. Basically, try to remember two things. Ask your students what two things we've talked about, and then they write down or they tell each other. They remember first, and then they tell each other in pairs. Or brain dumps, when they try to basically remember everything that they were exposed to, they write down on a post-it. Maybe they share with their friends. You can use Jamboard to do that or something like that, right? And very important, Keep everything low stakes, right? It has to be, it hasn't, it doesn't have to, to be graded actually, because that will probably increase anxiety levels and then it's not gonna work really well. 
So it's low stakes quizzing, really. Remember not to use books or notes. So uh, when the time comes for you to retrieve with your students, ask them to close their notes, uh, to close their books and hide their notes. Or you can even take it, take them from your students. I mean, now that you're teaching remotely, uh, you don't really have a lot of control over that. But, you know, have them uh, put their things away and really use their memory. And give lots of feedback right after. So you can use Kahoot, for example, for retrieval practice. It works really well because they try to retrieve something and then Kahoot will tell them if they were right or wrong right away. That's excellent, right? And also try to make it part of uh, fluency practice, right? So maybe you can get students to role play and then try to use topics that they have been exposed to so select something we've been talking about, something you can still remember from last class or from last week or a month ago, and then talk about it, role play, so that it can be part of their fluency activities as well. The next technique, spacing or spaced practice or distributed practice, involves dividing up study over time instead of cramming all of the course material into one long session. The key to spacing is inserting intervals of time between study sessions on a particular topic, thus allowing memory networks to deactivate, consolidate, and reactivate. As time passes, students will have forgotten some of the material, but reviewing the material at intervals can make it easier to remember each time, right? So that's the idea. So how can we do it? For students, you know, let's imagine you are students of another language, Italian. So one of the things you can do is don't cram. Do not study everything on the same day or one day before the test, you know? That doesn't really work. I mean, it works for performance. It doesn't work for long-term learning. So schedule time for short study sessions instead of studying everything the night before start studying three weeks before and then maybe you can study on monday and then on wednesday and then maybe next monday and then on saturday so you can actually increase the gap between those sessions right and make retrieval study guides so one of the things you can do really you can add specific deadlines when you are working in your, you know, with the materials that you have, and then you can grab, I don't know, post-its or stickers or whatever to try to retrieve them once in a while, you know? So just make sure that you have deadlines to help you. Remember that you have to retrieve certain things over a longer period of time. That's why you are spacing things, right? and make the most of waiting time. So many times when we are waiting in line or doing something, we're going to a, a doctor's appointment, we're not really doing anything, we're just spending time on our, on our phones, that's a very good uh, moment for you to try to remember a couple of things, right? So you can see here that spacing is really connected with retrieving. So what you're doing is you are trying to retrieve things, but you're adding space between the last session and the next one, right? Now, as a teacher, you can set some 
time, specific time of your lesson for your students to do spaced retrieval practice, right? So maybe three minutes every lesson. And then maybe you can say, uh, today is time for us to do some retrieval about our class that happened two months ago. What can you remember? And this is very interesting because if they really know, if they have really learned, they will able they will be able to remember, right? And of course, sometimes they need prompts to get started, but maybe you can do a free recall at the beginning and see how it goes. The other thing you can do is keep track of when to retrieve things and what to retrieve things. So one of the suggestions I gave here is why don't you use a learning management system or a project planner like Trello, for example, to know when you are supposed to retrieve things. So if you learn something today uh, in your lesson, maybe you can retrieve tomorrow because you have time to sleep. And that's why spacing is so important because you have sleeping in between, right? And then a couple of days after, maybe two, three days after, and then five days after, and then a week after, and then two weeks after. So you're adding space each time, right? And how can you keep track? Well, use one of those management systems online. They will help you. And of course, you can always add some variety. You can try to space out things and, and do uh, you know, games like quizzes and things like that, different ways of spacing out. They can write down things. They can tell their partners things. They can draw things, make it fun, make it different. And you can even try something called the big basket quizzes, right? That you have a big box and you have a bunch of quiz questions. And then each week they can draw a random question and then they can try to retrieve that, right? Based on the materials and the things that they have studied, of course. Now, the next one is interleaving. So interleaving is similar to spacing. But interleaving means mixing up the study subjects in a single session. For example, if a course book unit covers vocabulary, pronunciation, speaking, listening, and grammar, students should study two or more of these areas in one study session. In addition to covering different skills and language areas, students should employ interleaving by mixing up materials from different parts of the course. As mentioned in the previous section on spacing, students should review material from earlier on in the course, not just recent material. One benefit of interleaving is that it's more challenging to work on a diverse set of problems. And this, challenges, uh, this challenge creates the desirable difficulties mentioned at the, at the beginning of the article. Now, this is very interesting. One way you can work with interleaving is really don't focus everything on one area, right? So one of the examples that came to my mind and, and I added to the text and I think Hall was very pleased was the Pomodoro technique, right? So let's say you normally study uh, vocabulary or a specific grammar structure for one hour, right? Non-stop. So you study one hour. It's actually better to have four blocks of studying based on the Pomodoro technique, like 25 minute block plus, oh, actually two, two blocks of studying, right? Because 25 minutes plus a five minute break 
plus a 25-minute block and a five-minute break. And in the first 25 minutes, you will study vocabulary. And then in the next 25 minutes after the break, you will study grammar. And then you go back to vocabulary and then grammar, and you keep doing that. And after four blocks, you take a longer break, right? This is actually better for the brain, apparently. That's what the literature suggests. You can help yourself remember more, right? Now, you can also make sure you study materials and from earlier lessons, right? So if you use flashcards, for example, or if you have notes and um, post-its, just grab them. Remember the basket, the big basket, so grab them and then uh, interleave. So maybe you get two uh, post-its and they have different topics. Maybe one is about listening, how to improve your listening, and the other one is uh, how to work with past perfect. I don't know. So maybe you can start by listening to different uh, activities to improve your listening, listening for gist, listening for specific information for 25 minutes, and then you take a five-minute break and then you do the past perfect thing, right? Now, that was for students. If you are a student studying on your own or even us as learners, we are lifelong learners after all, right? Now, for us, preparing the lesson as teachers and delivering the lesson, so maybe try to have a quiz to mix questions for retrieval practice, right? So mix different areas, different skills, they don't have to be about the same thing necessarily. So maybe you can actually get stuff that students were exposed to three, four weeks ago and mix them with things that you taught them last class, right? So you're interleaving in a way. You also should most definitely include materials from the beginning of their course. So not just two weeks ago or two months ago, but really when they started learning things, you know? So I know it might sound, well, but why do they have to retrieve that? Well, you would be surprised uh, if I told you that students, many times they forget basic things that they learned a year ago or two years ago. And it's interesting for you to add that to the mix, right? You can also use a couple of uh, gamified strategies. For example, dice, fishbowl strategy, you know, like your students can fish something out of a bowl and then they mix them together and work with uh, subject A and then subject B, 25 minutes and then 25 minutes, for example. Of course, here, since uh, we are planning and delivering the lessons, it's not going to be 25 minutes, 5, 25, 5, right? But we can probably devote 10 minutes or 15 minutes to studying some things at the end of the class or at the, the very beginning, right? So maybe we can get 10 minutes and we can have five minutes studying topic A and five minutes studying topic B, for example. And this might work, right? You can also use, of course, a think pair share. Uh, this is great for retrieval as well. First, you try to retrieve your thinking and then you get together and you share. And then if your peer shares something different, then you are interleaving together in a way, right? You remembered something, your peer remembered something, and you can work together interleaving those things, right? Now, this is it, folks. I think this episode was a little bit too long, 
I'm sorry, I apologize, but I think it was interesting and fun. I had fun recording it. One of the things that you can do really to get more ideas and to actually read the sources that Hall Houston and I used, just go to Mind Brain Think Tanks. You can download this very interesting issue that was um, released in May about evidence-based strategies. Or you can just go to their blog and you can also find our text there. And the title is Forgetting to Remember, Three Research-Based Strategies Applied to Language Teaching by me, Andre Hedlund, and Hal Houston, okay? I hope you had fun. I hope you give some of those strategies a try. And if you do, please let me know how it went. Thank you again for another episode of EDC Rocks podcast. There are more coming. Yes.